You're listening to Liberty Buzzard with Dustin Hammett and Thomas Umstead Jr. Welcome to Liberty Buzzard, episode 45. I'm Dustin Hammett. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. Welcome to Liberty Buzzard, the podcast for inquisitive minds. This is going to be our very first video podcast. We are just forcing ourselves right on into the 21st century. It's almost 2019. We figure we have to start videoing ourselves to get people to watch us. So that's what we're doing. Hello, everybody. Hello, world. If you're actually watching us, hey, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by and checking in. And this is an experiment. We'll be posting the audio to the uh, audio podcast feed as usual. In fact, we're recording it the same way. So uh, if you, for those of you listening in the future, hopefully nothing has changed. And uh, for those of you who are wondering why there haven't been any episodes in the last week, it's because I had a baby. Congratulations, Thomas. Or rather, my wife had a baby. Yeah, uh, she was the one who did all the work. I just held her hand and uh, walked with her through the process. It was a little bit stressful. We had uh, some adventures in the hospital. The baby was rushed off to intensive care for a couple of days. But uh, we are thankful that mommy and baby are home and they're both doing well. Her name is Mercy Gale. And in my entirely unbiased Liberty Buzzard opinion, she is the cutest baby ever. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you you may differ, but if you follow me on any of the social medias, you'll probably see many, many baby photos. <laughs> so I'm very thankful to have uh, a healthy a healthy baby girl. Congratulations, Thomas. It's a big deal. I uh, I also have big news. Okay. My dog had puppies. I mean, it's uh, probably just as important. <laughs> probably almost just as important. Was this planned? Was this a planned puppy event or was it an unplanned puppy event? Oh, Thomas. No, no. We had some teenage dog love going on and this is what happens with <laughs> teenage dog love. Bad dog. Bad dog. She went into heat and I had her in the back and we have a five foot tall fence around the back and this male dog came from half a mile away and scaled the fence in the middle of the night that's motivation right there i mean the things we do for love haven't you ever seen jurassic park life will find a way <laughs> it certainly did and uh we have uh seven examples of that uh right outside the well the old window here very good so if you'd like to get your very own liberty buzzard puppy uh leave a comment in the uh down below and we will connect you what kind of what kind of dogs are they well our dog is a great pyrenees and the uh dog down the street we recently learned is called a uh louisiana catahoulin leopard dog no kidding it's a thing google it i did um they're actually kind of cool looking dogs so but that's that's the dad so i'm calling these uh great Texas Catahoulinese leopard dogs. That's that's going to be the new breed. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk a little bit about voter turnout. As you know, early voting has started. And it's interesting, both the left and the right both agree on this one core message. And that is that you should turn out to vote, that high turnout is very high. Now, to be fair, Republicans are only sharing that message with Republicans and Democrats are only sharing that message with Democrats. And there are all a lot of these efforts that are like nonpartisan, like rock the vote, which was advertising on MTV to try to get the kids who are watching MTV to go out and rock the vote. Who watches MTV, Democrats or Republicans? So this nonpartisan get out the vote effort was really about boosting uh, voter turnout. The left does this a lot. They did this when o Obama and Hillary were running against each other. Except instead of rock the vote, it was make history, vote, 
That was their big push because whoever it was, whether it was Hillary or Obama, it was going to be history. The Democrats had never nominated a female uh, presidential candidate before, and uh, they never nominated an African-American presidential candidate before. And so it was going to be history, but only if you voted for the Democrat Party. And uh, there's often a lot of hand-wringing over how low the voter turnout is in the United States, where only a small fraction of Americans uh, will vote uh, or even register to vote, and only a fraction of them turn out to vote. And my question for you, and you can answer in the comments, is do you think that this is a good thing or bad thing? I, I see both sides of this, actually, where there's another side where a low vo voter turnout says several things. One, it says that people are content. Right? If they were really unhappy, they would vote, at least for a third party, so that their voice could be counted. If they're content, like the effort of voting isn't worth it, right? It's like, why should I bother? You know, I'm relatively content with my life, and I don't think the government, whoever gets elected, is going to make much of a difference one way or another. Uh, another advantage of a low voter turnout is the people who vote actually are the ones who are paying attention, right? When you are dragging everyone kicking and screaming into the voters booth who don't know anything about any of the candidates, and they pick John Smith because they think John Smith is a pretty name, and they vote against John Rodriguez because he has a Hispanic surname, and that's the only thing he knows about the, the candidates, that is not an informed vote. And that person's vote counts just as much as somebody who's pouring through voters guide and looking at opinion pieces and doing all the reading research. And, uh, you know, if you don't know anything about the candidates, why should you be voting? <laughs> right? Like, I feel like you're diluting. Maybe one of these guys is a crook. And there's a huge push to get this crook out of office. And by voting for him, you're undoing all of this effort. And I will say one final point on this. And then Dustin, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, if, if you've heard of a candidate, right, if you're voting for the name you recognize, just realize the reason why the press talks about political candidates it's typically because they're doing something wrong. They're never like President S or uh, Senator Smith did a really good job voting today, and now we're putting him on the front page of the newspaper. No, it's Senator Smith had some big scandal, and he's got mistresses, and he fled to Brazil. You know that's why he gets pressed, and oftentimes we're wondering why do these people get reelected? It's because there's a certain kind of person who walks into the voter booth, voting booth, and votes for the name they recognize. They're like, oh. Senator Smith, I've heard of him. I, I'm going to vote for Senator Smith. And suddenly this uh, scalawag gets reelected over and over again. Uh, Dustin, your thoughts? Well, first of all, I, I like your use of the word scalawag. <laughs> Bringing back that old timey language here on the Liberty Buzzard podcast. That's a good one. Um, and you can comment on this one, Thomas, because you have a lot more uh, politi traditional political education, operative type education than I do, but here's my sense is, uh, you know, the Republicans want Republicans to get out and vote. Democrats want Democrats to get out and vote because I think, and this is just purely anecdotal, I have nothing to back this up, but I think that most people get into the voting booth, they get confused, they get overwhelmed, they don't know the candidates, they don't know all the names, so what are they gonna do? They're gonna vote straight Republican or straight Democrat. So I think as far as the parties are concerned, the best thing to do is just say, hey, get out there and vote and go check R or go check D. And the more people we get out there to go check R, they go check D, it doesn't matter. They just want people to get out there and vote. So um, now I guess the big question is, if you live in a battleground state, 
does your vote count more than if you live in a non-battleground state or county or municipality? So if you live in a municipality or county that is a hardcore Republican um, and you're a Democrat or you doesn't matter, you're a Democrat or Republican, you know, your civic duty is to go vote. But how much effect does your vote really have? And I think, you know, I think that's an interesting point. Um, if you live in, in Texas or Alabama, is uh, is the midterm election really going to mean a lot to you? Maybe. You know, if the Cruz Beto thing, if it's really as tight as people think it is, maybe it does matter. But, uh, you know, um, I'm not saying that people shouldn't go out and vote. It is, I think, a, a, it is a mindset that we have this opportunity to vote. And I think it is important that we exercise the right to vote if only because uh, the, the mindset that, that we do have a civic responsibility to each other. But all in all, how much effect does one vote have in a Republican electoral system? So for president, it's definitely true that some votes matter more than others because of the electoral college system. But for the races that actually affect your daily life, like city council, you know, Leslie Nope 2018, uh, your vote matters quite a bit. There's not a lot of people that are voting and the districts are not generally structured in such a way where you've been completely disenfranchised. Uh, also for state representative, state senator, a lot of the local races that really have a bigger impact on you, right? Like right now in Austin, we can't drink the water. Why? Because there's not a wa- enough water treatment facilities. The city council's approach has been to raise water prices and to you know have water rationing, even when there's no drought. And now suddenly the water coming in is dirty. And like my life is significantly affected. Is this because of the president? Is this because of Congress? No, it's because of my local city council trying to protect the environment. That's their motivation. And they see the use of water and the human use of water being detrimental to the environment. Why are you laughing? This is a real problem in Travis County. We literally cannot drink the water. (laughs) You Williamson County's people with your smug wells, your time will come. (gasps) Oh, I think it's hilarious, Thomas, because I think the Austin City Council is uh, hilarious in their progressive agenda. And you reap what you sow, and it makes me laugh. That's a smug look. Yeah, I I definitely think that if they put adding a a fifth water treatment facility on the ballot uh, next time around, it would get the votes. I think we're realizing that we need some excess capacity uh, in the system. And apparently Austin is the place to move. People are coming here, uh, so we need some capacity for that. But putting that aside, the local races are the ones that really matter, and those are the ones where your vote counts more. A a lot of people, they really only pay attention to the presidential race, and really the president of the United States is not actually a very powerful position, especially domestically. What? But they get all that TV time. They get all that TV time. We give them all this attention and we get scandalized over what they do. But when the president presents his budget to Congress, do you know what happens to that budget? Congress says, that's nice. They put it aside and they create their own budget. Because who creates the budget? Congress creates the budget. (laughs) The president can veto it later, but he doesn't write the budget uh, and he can't put you in jail. Like if you read the constitution, the presidency in the United States is actually a very limited role. Now, outside of the United States, the president has unlimited power. President can just kill somebody with a drone strike without asking permission, without any checks and balances. So outside of the Republic and the empire of the United States, president is very powerful in his ability to interact with other countries and in the countries that we occupy and the countries that we conquer 
very much lots of power, very scary. But that's not what most Americans vote for. Most Americans can't find Iraq on a map. Most Americans don't see us as an empire. Uh, They don't think of all of the things that we do abroad, and that's not what they're voting. They're voting because of the economy. They're voting because of moral issues, social issues that they care about, whether it's gay marriage or abortion. And those issues are things the president has not a lot of effect on compared to all of the other people who your vote matters more for. So uh, your senator has as much to do with who your uh, Supreme Court justice is, or, or at least one percent as much to do with your Supreme Court justice as the president. Right. The president doesn't get to pick a Supreme Court uh, candidates. The, the president asked the Senate to confirm Supreme Court candidates. And as we saw, you know, the Senate may not go for it, or it may be very close, where it comes down to just a handful of votes. And it's the same way with pretty much every aspect inside the Republic. These other um, positions, the checks and power, uh, checks and balances really, really matter. And for those, your vote matters, because a lot of people don't know who their state representative is, and they're just voting, you know, straight ticket. Uh, in, in the primaries, where they're There is no little R or D to tell you who to vote for. Often the person with the prettiest name wins. And that's not necessarily the best way to run a country. So maybe pay attention to who it is that you're voting for. Uh, Well, I think it's easier said than done, Thomas. Uh, What I can tell you from my own experience, especially with this whole Austin police officer drama with the city council, how many Austinites truly care? I'd say not many. I know a lot of Austinites. Um, I I know you. And uh, they're, they're, people are wrapped up in their own lives, man. And unless it directly affects them or unless some type of news media outlet that they subscribe to or watch or pay attention to can make them think it matters to them, then they don't care. I mean, we as human beings, we, we have our own lives. We're, we're each the central characters in our own drama. And if it doesn't matter to us, it, it just doesn't matter. So, you know, unless you're a cop, or unless you're someone who doesn't like cops in the city of Austin, how much do you really pay attention uh, to the police officer thing down there? Not much. I mean, that, that's just the that's just the hard fact of the matter. Well, the, the police officer thing is even more dramatic, and here's why: most people don't interact with the police hardly at all. Right? You have your law-abiding citizen population, and they're not the victims of crimes, and they're not the perpetrators of crimes. And then you have a smaller percentage of the community that interact with the police a lot. They are victims of crimes. They're perpetrators of crimes. Often it's the same people. The, the people who are perpetrating crimes are also victims of other people's crimes. And they're constantly interacting with the police. And those people often can't vote legally. Because once you're convicted with a single felony, which is a single possession of a controlled substance, you lose your franchise. You're no longer a full citizen of the United States. And you no longer can vote. And so suddenly... It doesn't matter what you think. Are you unhappy with the police? You want to vote out the sheriff? Oh, sorry, you can't vote. You literally, you walk into the ballot and they will not accept your vote because you are a convicted felon. And by being being a convicted felon, you lose your franchise. And this is a powerful way of disenfranchising an entire community. You take something that they all do, say drugs or marijuana, you make it a felony, and suddenly you can take away all of their votes and you don't have to pay attention to them anymore. It's a little insidious if you think about it. Uh, and see, now I don't want murderers voting, but it does make me a little sad that everyone who has smoked uh, marijuana one time and gotten caught has now potentially lost the ability uh, to vote, especially if they don't have powerful lawyers uh, to protect them in the courts. It's a slippery slope, though, Thomas. I mean, I, I, I understand the point that you're making. 
And I, I see what you're saying. I, the other side, I'll call it the other side because I, I, I don't typically agree. I see their point in the fact that a person shouldn't be held accountable for their entire life for a single mistake. You know, drugs, we've talked about the drug war. We've talked about, um, you know, the, the, the convictions for drugs and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, people should be able to get by that. And I understand that. But like you said, murderers. I mean, we had a convicted murderer, and I don't know if he's still on the ballot. I haven't kept track, but he's running for city council or was running for city council in the city of Austin. I got to tell you, I just don't know if that's a good thing. I, you know, Maybe he's gone past it. Maybe he just made a youthful mistake, but still, he took a man's life uh, over drugs. And um, so, you know, can can someone get past that and become uh, become a... a an honorable politician. Um, you know, I don't know, but uh, just going back to the whole voter thing, you know, at the same time, it's a, it's a punishment for a reason. And, um, on, on, on a whole, on, as a whole, I think the, the limiting the convicted felons right to vote is important because, you know, I think the fear there is when does a convicted felon community come together and all of a sudden start changing policy? That That's way outside the box. It's a little silly. But at the same time, um, I think the Democrat side is pushing for it a lot. I mean, we've, we've, it's, it's been innuendo at this point, but let's just let's call a spade a spade. Uh, minorities are convicted uh, at a higher rate than uh, the, the white population. And uh, I think they're playing to that. And I understand and I get their argument. And I don't necessarily totally disagree with their argument, but I think there's a danger in their argument. And uh, there, there's a moral factor in their argument that I that I can't agree with. Yeah. Uh, so one more thing I want to say about voter turnouts. We're running out of time. And that is there is a kind of person who thinks that not voting sends a message like, I'm so unhappy with the two-party system. I'm going to not vote to send a message to whoever is listening. And that is so stupid. Like, that is such an uninformed opinion. The only people who count are the people who vote. Now, if you are unhappy with the two-party system, if you are, you know want to send a message, you can do that. And the way that you do that is by voting for a third party and by throwing the election. The perfect example of this is the environmentalists in the 2000 election. They were so frustrated with all of the compromises Bill Clinton made on the environment. They wanted to send a message to the Democratic Party that they should not waver on the issue of the environment. So what did they do? Did they stay home? No, they did not stay home because if you stay home, you don't count. That is not sending a message because just because you stayed home, the assumption is you are content and you are not going to vote in that future election. Why should we care about you? No, instead, they voted for the Green Party candidate. So Ralph Nader got more votes in Florida than Al Gore lost by. Bum, bum, bum. And that is magic when that happens. The whole Democrat Party had a come to Jesus moment or a come to the, you know, a <laughs> Mother Nature moment. And Obama never wavered on environmental issues, as far as I know, a single time. Democrats now toe that line so carefully because they are terrified that that contingent of their voter base is going to leave and vote third party. They are willing to lose labor unions because they used to be trying to, you know, 
balance labor unions and environmentalists because those uh, factions in the Democrat Party are often at war with each other, right? If you are a member of the coal workers union, the environmental part of the party is like your worst enemy. <laughs> and the Democrat Party is trying to have their cake and eat it too. And they have learned, no, the environmentalists are the ones who are willing to walk and they're willing to still show up and vote, which means if we change our ways and we start respecting the environment, those Democrats uh, will come back because they took the effort to show up to vote for a third party. So all we have to do is support their issue and they will now vote for us. And I will say, if you're an environmentalist, that was the right play. Four years or eight years of of Bush has now trained the party for probably 30 years. They are unwavering on the topic of the environment. And that is how you count. It wasn't just the Democrats. I mean, the Republicans had their own lesson in, uh, was it 92 with H. Ross Perot? That's right. So both parties have had their lesson, which means both parties have gone to the polls and uh, have, have, have maintained the base. You maintain your base because if you don't do that, you lose. Exactly. And look what Al Gore did after he lost. And he realized, oh, my goodness, I have alienated the environmentalists. They were not willing to back me for president. And that cost me the presidency. What did Al Gore become as his apology tour? He became the poster child for the environmental movement. He's like he put together a you know PowerPoint presentation on the global warming and climate change and it won Academy Awards. I think he won a Nobel Prize for it. Right. Like he has become Mr. Environment as his way on behalf of the Democratic Party to apologize to their environmental base. And so if you want to be counted, you have to vote. But it's okay to vote for a third party if you're wanting to send the message, I'm unhappy with the way things are. Now, if you support Republicans, vote Republican, right? You're not going to you know, count if you only vote every four years for the president. You've got to vote on these midterms. And if you support Trump, man, you need to make sure that he has people in office that are going to help him with his agenda. And if you don't support Trump, you also want to vote so you can hurt his agenda, right? The the only way to, to be counted, I'm giving the other argument, by the way, those of you just turning in, at the beginning of this, I was talking about why you shouldn't vote when <laughs> why high voter turnout's not a good thing. So for both sides, listen to the whole episode. Uh, but if you want to count, if you want to have your voice heard, if you're unhappy with the way things are, or if you think that things can become better, voting is a way of sending that message. And who you vote for is a way of sending different messages. And there's more messages you can send than just I support Republicans or I support Democrats. Unfortunately, the downside to that is you have to do a little research beforehand. Because if all you know is R and D, you have to figure out what other parties there are. Yeah, a little bit of work though can make the world a better place. We thank uh, you for tuning in. Those of you who are watching live on our first ever experimental Liberty Buzzard live on Facebook, let us know what you think. Hi, mom. If you want us <laughs> to do this again, um, I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. I'm Dustin Hammett, and you've been listening to Liberty Buzzard. This episode of Liberty Buzzard is brought to you by Tom Umstadt CPA. Tom has over 35 years of experience helping people like you pay only their fair share in taxes. Don't let the IRS stress you out. Get Tom and his team on your team at taxmantom.com.